In today's show, we're looking back at the 2020-2021 season for the Sacramento Kings. Michael Bolton. Thanks, Josh. It's Michael Bolton here, and it's time for another episode of the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast. Let's get to it. Let's get to it, indeed. You are Locked On Fantasy Basketball, your daily fantasy basketball podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast brought to you by Basketball Monster. My name is Josh Lloyd and I am the lead fantasy analyst at BasketballMonster.com and at Yahoo Sports Australia. And you can find me on Twitter as always at RedRock underscore Beeble and on Instagram at Locked On Fantasy Basketball. Today's episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra. At only 2.6 grams of carbs and 95 calories, it's only worth it if you enjoy it. Let's talk about the Sacramento Kings, a team that exists, a team that uh, did some stuff of course, during the season, didn't make the playoffs, unfortunately, and there's always weird shit going on with this team continually. Let's talk about how that season looked. 31 and 41, of course, that's apparently enough for Luke Walton to remain the coach next season. He is one of the, if not the worst coach currently in the NBA, but he's going to be back again. <sighs> I don't know why, but he will be. 11th in offense, that's not a bad result. 30th in defense is literally the worst result you could possibly get. Um, and they played with the 10th best pace. Now, this is a team that, again, should be playing with a higher pace, but it's an improvement on where they were last year after Walton came in and slowed them all the way down after they had success playing fast. He went, yeah, guys, guys, I know you played well playing fast, but how about we make things worse? And he thought that was a good idea. Now, he sort of corrected that. He went from 20th in pace to 10th in pace, but the defense suffered a lot. 30th defense uh, is pretty shit house. They actually outperformed their expected win-loss as well. So it's not like they were particularly unlucky. Um, they're just not a very good team based on uh, coaching, based on front office, based on organization, which is really, really a shit thing for the fans because they've got some of the best fans in the NBA and they deserve some success, unfortunately. They are not quite all that close to that. They do have now two upcoming picks in the draft. Pick nine, asterisk, pick nine, and uh, pick 39. Now, that pick nine, there's a 20% chance, the same as with the Pelicans, of getting into the top four. Their most likely outcome is picking at pick nine, and maybe pick 10 is is the other likely outcome. Um, And then the next highest outcome is picking somewhere in that top four, amazingly. That's that's how the lottery works. You you look at this and you go, there's 46% chance of finishing at nine, 29% chance of finishing at 10, and then it's 20 plus percent of finishing somewhere inside the top four. Um, so you'd hope that comes true if you are the Sacramento Kings. That pick 39 is not a bad pick as well. You might be able to get something useful there down uh, at the beginning of the second round. In terms of free agency, Terrence Davis is a restricted free agent. They brought him across uh, with Toronto in that trade. Um, I-, I do think that Davis showed enough. Yeah, legal problems notwithstanding, I believe though. I believe he was cleared of those charges, but you know, still that, that stink does remain. Um Restricted free agent. I, I think they'll bring him back. He showed some flashes at the end of the year. Mo Harkless, an unrestricted free agent. Like, sure. Started a lot of games. Far too many, in fact. Mo Harkless, only 28, amazingly. He was all, all right, but yeah, ideally, they wouldn't want him to be their starter. They'd like to get another three or a four in there. Yeah, We'll talk about Marvin Bagley later to play that role, but Harkless could return. Rashawn Holmes is the big one, though. He is an unrestricted free agent. He's a he's 27 and a half, about to turn 28 in a few months' time, 
and he's going to command a lot of money. Now, whether the Kings want to pay him that, whether the whether he wants to play for the Kings, I would doubt the latter of those two things. He could easily go somewhere else, and that puts them in a huge hole at center. Luckily, that hole won't be filled with this bloke. The world. Hassan Whiteside's second trip in Sacramento did not go particularly well, much like the first one. He was bad. It seemed like he hated the organization. It seemed like the organization hated him. Uh, he's cooked as a player. He's 32 years of age. He has not been good for a very long time, but now teams are realizing he's not good and not playing in those big minutes. If you do have Hassan Whiteside in any sort of dynasty format, do not be holding on and hoping that things are going to turn around for him because they are not. A total turnaround for you, though. If you're looking for parts for your car, rockauto.com is the place that you need to go. Why would you go to a local chain store when the bloke in the store, he's not going to have what you're looking for. And even if he does, and when he gets it in, he's just going to charge you exorbitant prices to get it. That's ridiculous. Chain stores have different price tiers for professionals and for do-it-yourselfers. But rockauto.com's prices, they're the same for everybody and they are reliably low. Rockauto.com will always offer the lower, lowest price possible rather than changing prices based on what the market will bear like airlines do. Rockauto.com is for everybody and does not require membership or account login. They have everything from engine control modules to brake parts, tail lamps, motor oil, even new carpet. And whether it's for your classic or daily driver, Get everything you need in a few easy clicks. So go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck and write locked on in their how did you hear about us box so that they know that we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need, rockauto.com. Of course, the NBA playoffs are on at the moment. So with our NBA playoff coverage right across the Locked On Podcast Network, it is brought to you by Michelob Ultra. It's only worth it if you enjoy it, and I'm sure the Kings would love to enjoy being in the playoffs, maybe in the next couple of years, who knows? But Michelob Ultra, only 2.6 grams of carbs and 95 calories. We can all enjoy the games a little bit more this season. All right, so let's talk about these Kings and whether these players can actually get them back into that playoff mix. Darren Fox. He played 58 games, 35 minutes a game. So that's a great minute load. Injuries, of course, were, were an issue there with those uh, 58 games played. He averaged 43 yeah, fantasy points. That's 21st. He's a much better points league player than category league player. 48th for category leagues with a 41 ADP. Now, I guess the question you have is why was he so poor for category leagues? And I wouldn't say he was so poor, but mainly... The reason that he's just not as good as he is in other in other formats, especially that points format, is he doesn't hit free throws. And yeah, that that costs you because he gets to the line a lot and he doesn't hit them at a high enough level. Now, again, 48th overall in a punt free throw build, Fox was 28th. So it's a, it is a big difference. He averaged 25 points with seven assists, almost two threes. And that's a problem as well, low volume threes. 1.5 steals is great. 48 from the field is pretty good, but 72 from the line on seven attempts is a pretty, pretty negative number. Fox was able to improve from last season where he was the 55th ranked player. He played three additional minutes per game, scored four more points, almost doubled his threes. His um, steal stayed the same. His assists were about the same. His uh, field goal percentage was about the same. His true shooting was about the same, but those extra minutes helped. Impact-wise, he was pretty good, plus 1.1 EPM. Um, his mid-range shooting was excellent, 46%. That's a really strong number. He was yeah, pretty solid on Raptor, although Raptor did not like his defense at all. A negative 2.7, one of the worst on the team. And his uh, defensive LeBron was pretty low as well. He was 1.06 total LeBron, which is third on this team. But he, he was pretty good. There are room, There is room for improvement. And really, it comes from two areas. Hitting free throws. And he hit 77% of his free throws over the final 25 games of the year. And that made him a top 20 player. 
and hitting threes. Now, he hasn't been able to do that at any point, but going from 1.1 threes a game up to 1.8 is a big step forward. He needs to get that to 2, 2.2, I would say, 2.3 to really have an impact. But really, the simple thing is, is he goes from being a you know, 72% guy to a 78% guy from the line, and he's a top 20 player. I would have no hesitation drafting him in the top 30, and I think there's a realistic chance that he's a top 24, top 20 type of player next season. Uh, Fox is not old. He is 23, so he has lots of room to improve. I expect multiple top 20 seasons for Fox coming up, but it is going to depend on the threes and the free throws. They're the two real uh, swing things we need to pay attention to. Rishawn Holmesy Holmes. Um, ADP was 89 for Holmes. I did not know what the Kings were going to do. I really thought that they would split minutes between him and Hassan Whiteside, but common sense played out. 27 years of age, 29 minutes a game. Now, that's, that's low. That could actually be a lot higher, those 29 minutes. And some of that was injury-related. Some of that was Luke Walton-related. Um, but there's a lot more scope there for Rashawn Holmes to get better. He averaged 14-8 and eight with 1.6 blocks on 64% with 79 from the line. Now, a lot of his value comes from that elite percentage combination. Chuck in the blocks, chuck in the rebounds. But he can actually play a little bit more than this. And the top 50 is not an outrageous expectation for him. He finished 54th this season, so of course it's not. 69th in points leagues. Giggity. Averaging 32 points in the best category was his field goal percentage. Now, he has been for a while a pretty good um, advanced metric sort of guy. Actually fell off a little bit from last year in his EPM, 2.2 down to 1.3. But was uh, right up there second or third on, well, second on this team, sorry, in Raptor with a plus 2.2. Led this team in LeBron at 1.77. Only tier four overall in the NBA, but some pretty good numbers for Rashawn Holmes, who again showed that he is a very, very solid, very, very strong starting NBA center with good defensive instincts, good pick and roll stuff, good lob threat, good shot blocker, good room protector, very efficient, hits his free throws. A lot to like. Doesn't hit threes. I don't think he ever will, at least in any sort of volume, but there's a lot to like about what Rashawn Holmes does. And... Yeah, Charlotte would definitely be calling out for him. Toronto would definitely be looking out for him. I think the Knicks should make a play for him, to be honest. He's he's a really good center. And when he gets you know, three years, $65 million, do not be surprised. I think he should get that sort of contract. Tyrese Halliburton, a guy that's going to be a top three rookie of the year player. He's only 21. He played 58 games, only 30 minutes. So when we look at where Halliburton improves, well, there's, there's your number one thing. 30 minutes. That goes to 33, 34 next year, almost without a shadow of a doubt. So there is your, okay, how does he improve thing? It's it's just literally through increase in volume. That's that's an easy one for Halliburton. 13 points only, three rebounds, 5.3 assists, 1.3 steals. He hit two threes. His true shooting was at 59%. Great for a rookie, 86 from the line, but he does not get there. One free throw attempt per game. And part of the, the concerns I had with him coming in uh, into the draft was, how can he be a lead point guard? He does not get to the rim. His creation for himself is pretty poor. And again, 18% usage as a point guard is very low. Um, and that lack of free throws, the um, and sometimes his defensive stuff. Now, he's pretty good defensively, but he does have some issues as a primary defender. And in fact, his advanced metrics on his defense were pretty poor. Negative 2.5 Raptor defensively. His EPM was negative defensively. Um, his LeBron overall was bad, negative 1.01. So while we can talk about how good he was, and he was good, it wasn't like, wow, we found our key player now. We have found an absolute stud who is going to be, 
I still wouldn't take him, I don't think, top three in a redraft of this this draft. I don't know. I have to sit down and do that. And there is a real chance that he is a little bit overvalued. But in saying all of that, 33 minutes a night is a real possibility for next season. So you go from 13 points to 15 points, two and a half threes, six assists, 1.5 steals, maintaining that efficiency. That's fine. Now, again, what he needs to do is improve his free throws, but this is a constant theme for him through college and his first year in the NBA. So how much can that get better? Can 41% from three and 53% from two improve? Maybe, but probably unlikely. Doesn't get to the rim at all, or they finish at a good good level. Hit his mid-ranges at a high percentage. Is that sustainable? I, I don't think that he's going to be one of those guys that peaks as a rookie, then goes down. I don't think that's the case. I think there is significant improvement, especially from fantasy, because that usage can you know, get to 2021. 20, the minutes will go to 33, and they should. Um, very poor rebounder. Smart player, super smart player, super smart offensively, great assist numbers. He will probably be a guy that I, I would look at as a top 50 fantasy guy next year. Now, he was only 96th in points, much better in category than in points leagues. I think top 50 is realistic. I probably wouldn't draft him there, but that's realistic for next year. Absolutely for Tyrese. Had that knee injury that ended his season. Um, but when evaluating him for dynasty, I have a level of caution. Just because if, we, if we're viewing him as a top 20 player, a top 25 player over the next five years, I reckon you'll be disappointed. I don't see superstar upside. I don't see all-star upside for Tyrese Halliburton. I could be very wrong. Very easily wrong. Happy to happy to say that. And I'd, I'd love to be wrong because I really like him. I think he's a great bloke, great player. I'm just not sure. Let's talk Budrick Heald, who is now 28 years of age. Played 71 games, 34 minutes a game. Averaged 17 points. So that's all starting out really well. But 78th ranked player is not particularly good. 84th in points leagues, averaging 29 points. And he was drafted 56. Now, 56 was always a ridiculous spot to draft Bud Heald. But I didn't expect him to be as weirdly bad as he was this year. The 16 or 17 points per game is fine. He hit four threes per game. Excellent. But honestly, that's all he did. He shot 41% from the field. That's really bad. He shot 85% from the line, which is great. But like Tyrese Halliburton, he doesn't get there. Um, assists, he did improve that over the course of the year. In fact, over the last 10 games, he got over he got 61 assists over the last 10 games with Fox out and with Halliburton out. He, he took on an extra role, which was excellent to see. Um, and the assists did improve as the season went on. And, and the rebounds were okay, almost five per game. But yeah, 0.9 steals, 0.4 blocks. I'm a little worried about where what Buddy Hield's future is here. Defensively, he's not good. He was negative 0.3 EPM, which is still 62nd percentile. So negative doesn't mean average. He was still okay there. His Raptor was all right. He was a negative defensively. Not as bad as Fox and Halliburton were in that metric, though. And again, a big negative on LeBron. But overall, he was fourth on this team in terms of that LeBron metric. I just, at age 28, played 34 minutes a night. What is his role? Um... If the Kings are fair dinkum, which they're usually not, and fair dinkum just means if they're being like true to themselves or if they're being realistic, for those of you who don't know what fair dinkum means, if the Kings are being fair dinkum, they just put Halliburton in there next to Fox and try and develop those guys, 23 and 21, next to each other. This is our backcourt. You try and move on from Buddy Heald, if you can, I think, but only if you get decent return. It's got about 60 million owed over the next three years. Could get pretty ugly because he'll be bloody 31 by the end of that contract. Yeah. 
Um, and I think his role is best suited as a high usage. He only had 20% usage. I think he's better playing 28 minutes a night, having 25% usage, still averaging 17 points, four threes, but doing it in fewer minutes while other better players get more playing time. Whether Luke Walton does that and you know, and does the right thing by the team or bows to the pissing and moaning of Buddy Heald. I'm a better starter than you. All right, bud. Just play your role, as The Rock would say, and shut your mouth. Well, that's not quite what he would say, but close enough. Um, I, yeah. 18 months, he's not on this team. I'm pretty confident with that. And I don't know where he goes, but where he goes, he's not a 34-minute-a-night player. So I do think the value from Bud is going to drop off at some point. Coming up relatively soon. It already dropped off this year, in large part because of the poor field goal percentage, but I think volume and and minutes do start to come down. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. The NBA playoffs, we are rolling, getting through the first round at the moment. You can track all of that action at Bet Online. Get the latest news, odds, and info for all your sporting needs, including Major League Baseball, the NBA playoffs, the NHL playoffs, and all of your UFC action. For the next pitch, head over to Bet Online on your laptop or mobile device and check out all the great sporting news, sign up bonuses, and contest information. And speaking of sign up bonuses, if you use our promo code Locked On and sign up today, you will receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet Online are your online sportsbook experts. All right, next player up is the pencil, Harrison Barnes. Barnesy. Really impressive from Barnes this year. A player that I have not liked from a fantasy perspective for a long time. I think the Kings overpaid him to bring him back on this team. He has got two years left at almost 40 million, 39 million, which is not too bad to be fair. Um, But he impressed this season. This was his equal best fantasy season ever. Well, actually, that's not true. Sorry. He finished 88th. He finished 85th uh, five years ago. He averaged 30 fantasy points, which was 77th. He played a whopping 36 minutes per game. That is part of where I went wrong in projecting him. I did not expect Harrison Barnes to be playing 36 minutes a night. I still maintain that his best position is playing at the four and not at the three. And we saw towards the end of the year, he started to play more at the four. But this was his best year ever in terms of his EPM. He was a plus one. He's been a negative Every year of his career outside of that second season in Golden State, where he was a plus 0.8. His true shooting was the best of his career at 63. His three-point shooting has been 39 or, or 38 or greater for three consecutive years. His assist rate was the best of his career. His steal rate was up where it had been over the last four. His rebound rate was up, where it's been, uh, up higher than it would have been over the last four. He just was impressive. He averaged 16, 6, and 3.5. steals, he's never going to be good there. 50 and 83 from the field in the line, 39% overall. True shooting of 63 is by far a career best. He was very, very good, Harrison Barnes. He is 29, though. The 36 minutes, I don't know how realistic that is. He did it on 17 usage, though. So it's not like, well, other players are going to come in and start taking shots. That's very low usage for Barnesy. How was he able to maintain a good fantasy ranking? Well, it's just by being, really, average in every category. Average in points, average in threes, marginally above average in rebounds, average in assists, a bit below in steals, a bit below in blocks, a bit above in field goals, a bit above in free throws. That's why he's like in that 88 uh, zone, is that he's just really average in every category. What can he do to improve? It's usage. If that improves, I don't really think it does. I, I just think that we look at him as a solid but low upside player. As we move forward. But again, I thought he I thought he had a really good year. 
the advanced metrics would agree with me there. He's you know, high up there, you know, fourth on the fifth on team in LeBron, fourth in Raptor. Some pretty good numbers from Barnsley. But is there any sort of fantasy breakout coming? I would be really doubtful about that. Let's talk about Delon Wright, whose season was wild. 63 games, 28 minutes a night. I was all about drafting Delon Wright, 145th ADP. He ended up 92nd. He was 110th in points leagues. I was all about it. I go, well, he's going to start in Detroit next to Killian Hayes. He's going to play 30 minutes a night. And I believe in him. He can get assists. He can hit some threes. He can get steals. He can be efficient from the field. He can do all those things. And we saw it in stretches in Toronto and that stretch in Memphis. Last year in Dallas, it was just a horrible fit and he struggled. Then he went to Detroit. He started, was bad, and then was benched after about four games for Josh Jackson. I went, oh, okay. Uh, Dwayne Casey's lost his mind. That's cool. Um, And then Wright disappeared. He played like 23 minutes a night and was playing bad. Then Killian Hayes got hurt. Then Derek Rose got hurt. So Delon Wright went from backup shooting guard to starting point guard. And his numbers went through the roof. And he was a must-add player. And he put up huge, huge numbers. He went, holy shit, he's he's playing 37 minutes a night. He's the only point guard on this team. And he's doing it really well. This is the Delon Wright that I've been a fan of for years. And then he went to Sacramento. And I was like, okay, we've got to drop him now. The value's gone. He's behind Heald, Halliburton, and Fox. He'll play 21, 22 minutes a night. It's not enough. You've got to drop him. And that was true. And then Halliburton went down. And then Fox went down. So Wright started, played 37 minutes a night, and became a fantasy savior towards the end of the year. How the hell do we judge that season? He had 92nd overall, but two wild scenarios that forced him into roles that nobody wants him to play. There's no there's no forward thinking, no um, forward projection on Dillon Wright for that role. I thought, again, he was impressive. 0.7 EPM, really good number. Not a good finisher at the rim. Hit his free throws at 80%. That's good. 37 from three. Good passing numbers. Great steal numbers. He's, he's, he's good. 10, 4, and 4. 1.6 steals, 46 and 80. True shooting, 56%. He, he is good. He, was, he led this team in Raptor at plus 2.6. That's his whole season number, though. He was second on this team uh, in LeBron at 1.12 behind Rashawn Holmes. Again, a 0.7 EPM is in the 74th percentile in the NBA. Not quite his best season. He had some really big ones back in Toronto. But on a team that has Fox Halliburton healed, who will play 30 plus minutes each, where the hell does Wright fit? Top 100 would require a trade of healed and then an injury to Fox or Halliburton. He's a very, very solid, capable eighth man bench guy that you can throw in at three different positions and you know you're going to get good production from him. But you know, he's you know, drafting him at this spot will be a massive mistake, I believe. I think it'll be a huge, huge mistake. And I like Dillon Wright. He is 29 already. So you're investing in him for Dynasty. He is very um, situation dependent where we go, this is a great situation. Let's use Dillon Wright. But he's not a player that demands the situation to come to him. He's not a player where you go, well, we've got Dillon Wright, everybody. Kids, cover your ears. Everybody, get the fuck out of the way because Delon's doing it. That's not how it works. It's like everybody's fallen over Stephen Bradbury style, and Delon's standing there going, "Hi guys, I'm actually all right." And then he plays and he and he gets his numbers, and that's basically what Stephen Bradbury, sorry, Delon Wright is like. Um, a bloke that crosses the finish line because everyone else fell over, 
and I like him. I've been a big defender of Dylan Wright, a big you know, proponent of how good he is as a player, but that's how his value looks to me for fantasy. This bloke, Lewis King, Louis King. I've got him here because he was the 159th ranked player on a per-game basis somehow. Played six games, 14 minutes. How the hell was he so high? Well, 50 and 100 from the field and from the line, 1.2 steals. He showed a little bit as a power forward. Is he better than Marvin Bagley? No. But is he? No, he's not. Um, I just thought he's worth mentioning because he had a 61 true shooting. He has had some off-court issues in the past. He's played 16 games over two years, and I don't think we need to care too much about Louis King. But let's talk about the bloke that a lot of you will have questions about, and that is Marvin Bagley III. Talking to King's people, they would... I don't know if they would they would tell you this, but they would suggest that Marvin Bagley will not be on this team next year. He has off, obvious on-court issues and off-court issues. His dad complaining to the team about his role. No, my Marvin's better. Your Marvin's not better. He is um, not good. And he is uh, a guy that, you know, He's always going to be in Sacramento, saddled with the burden of being the bloke that was picked ahead of Luka Doncic, which was categorically insane at the time. It looks insane now, but the most insane thing is people still defending it. It's honestly crazy. Bagley was a negative 1.5 APM. He had a true shooting of 55, never been above league average in that number. Um, hit 57% of his free throws, which was down from 81 the year before, but that was only in 13 games. He's been a bad shooter. He is a very good rebounder. We'll give him credit there. One of the worst passes in the NBA, no doubt about that. Bad steal numbers. Block numbers fell right off, and I do think that they can come back because they have been pretty high in the past, but he just is not very good at all. Negative 0.33 LeBron, which is all right without being good. Negative 2.6 Raptor. His best position is, I don't know. As a power forward, he doesn't work. As a center, as a power forward, he doesn't work offensively because he can't really shoot and he can't guard on the perimeter. As a center, he doesn't work because he can't guard uh, the rim. He can't protect the rim. And he doesn't have any real skills apart from being a rebounder. In saying all of this, he was still the 116th ranked player in points leagues, averaging 26 points per game. And if you ever need an indication of why points leagues really favor points and rebounds players, this is it. He averaged 14 and 7. He was 116th in points leagues, 231st in category leagues. But because his two best categories are the two higher volume categories, points and rebounds, then he looks good as a points league player. If he plays, he played 26 minutes a night. If he plays 30 minutes a night, He's probably a top 80 points league player. He goes out there, he has 16 and 9. He's got horrendous on-off numbers. And the team sucks. But he puts up numbers and you go, yeah, he's a start in my points league. Love him in my points league. But he's not a good player. And in category leagues, the fact that he has no threes, no assists, no steals, low blocks, and horrible free throws, and subpar field goals for a big man, make him useless. He is only 22. He's played three years in the NBA, so we're not precluding him getting better. Absolutely not. But there is no way he's becoming a star, a superstar. Clip this segment if you want and play it back to me in five years when he's the all-NBA starting power forward. I, I, I will, I'll happily die on that, that hill that he's not going to be a superstar. 
Um, and I think there's just too many flaws in his game. And part of it is, okay, well, we can look at him and he can play and the blocks can go back up. And you say, well, Josh, if he plays 32 minutes, he can average yeah, 18 and 9. He can average 1.3 blocks on you know 52% shooting. And maybe he gets back to being a 75 free throw guy. That's a pretty good player. It is. But what team wants to rely on Marvin Bagley to play 32 minutes? That's your problem, is that if he's playing that many minutes, the stats will come. Sure, shout out to Hassan Whiteside. But your team will be bad. And I think that's the problem with Bagley, is that he just does not fit in the current NBA. And if you've got him in a dynasty league and it's not a points league, even in a points league, though, I'd be trying to cash in. Because if he does play 30 minutes, the numbers will go up. But how long can a team persist or subsist with him as a big-minute player? They won't be good for very long, is my is my thought on it. You might have a different thought. Love to hear it if you've got it in the comments. Do you still believe in Marvin Bagley? Please tell me if you do. I'd love to hear it. I'm happy to, happy to be wrong. Because, again, I want people to succeed. I want Marvin Bagley to be good. I, want, I, I can't imagine the pressure of living as Marvin Bagley, being this guy who dominated your high school ball, big numbers in college. You get to the NBA and all you hear every day is, you're shit, you're not Luca. You're shit. Where's Doncic? Marvin, you're shit. Ha, huh, could have had Luca. Could have had Trey. Hey, Marvin, you suck. Imagine that every day. No one wants that. And I can come on here and say he's not very good. And that, that is true. And I can say he, it was a terrible decision to pick him in number two. Not his fault. He did not make that call. And you can say, he said, I want to go to Sacramento. I want to be picked number two. Uh, sure. Why wouldn't you say that? Imagine going out there in a press conference. And I know I'm ranting here. Imagine going out in a press conference. Oh, where, where do you want to go, Marvin? Well, you know what? I probably think I'm about the seventh best player. So, you know, if anyone in that seven to 12 range takes me, we'll be pretty happy. Um I just don't think I'm really worth going up the top of the draft. I actually don't think I'm that good. I think I'm all right. I think I'm serviceable. Um, but, you know, it's a, it's, a hard, it's a hard competition. There's some good players there, and I just, I just don't think I'm that good. Imagine he said that. Everyone's going to go out there and go, dude, pick me. I'm, I'm, I'm the best. Like, pick me. That's what they should do. Anyway, enough on Marvin Bagley. Let's talk Terrence Davis, who did come across again at the trade deadline. Ended up playing 61 games, 17 or 18 minutes a game. He is 24 already, which is a little bit of a concern. 16 fantasy points outside the top 250 for points in category leagues. Hit his free throws well. Um, didn't see much of him in Toronto, but let's look at what he did. Final 10 games. Now, that was Halliburton and Fox injuries. 28 minutes, 16 points, three threes. Almost five boards, three assists. True shooting of 58%. Usage 24. I think that Terrence Davis has shown, again, they've got... More background information on him and versus whatever happened with the police issues. They that he can be a guy that can step in if they move on from Buddy Heald, step into a Buddy Heald type role. 24 minutes off the bench, 22, 23 usage, bang some threes in. He hit 37 this year, 39 last year. A decent enough playmaker, not great, but decent enough. His advanced numbers were pretty poor this year. It was a negative 2.3. A lot of that was some of the way that he sucked in Toronto. And defensively, there are some real concerns with Terrence Davis in all in all metrics and just watching him play. But I do think that he can yeah you know, he can sustain a 24, 25 minute a night role. Will it be useful enough for fantasy? Probably not. But as a three point streamer, yeah, yeah, good passing, good scoring, good shooting, good threes. There's, there's a little bit there for Terrence Davis. He is a restricted free agent. I don't think he gets the hugest hugest offer, but 
I expect top 200 from Davis next season. I don't know why I said that his name like that. Davis. Anyway, I'm losing my mind. Here he is, your mate. The world. Let's get it out of the way. He sucks. He's really bad. He's bad on court. He's bad off court. He's, just, he's a shithouse defender. Now, to be fair to Whiteside, his advanced numbers had been pretty good prior to this year. They were dreadful this year, and the fit with him in um, Sacramento was bad. It felt like he didn't want to be there, and you might ask, well, Josh, why did he sign there? Because nobody else would sign him. That's, that's what it ended up being. He stayed around in free agency forever, and then he goes back to the team that didn't believe in him to begin with and sign him to a minimum contract. Do you think Whiteside's got me? I can't wait. Can't wait to get back to Sacramento, um, to that team that didn't believe in me in the first place, uh, to sign a minimum. Man, that is absolutely where I want my career to go. There is no way. And I should have probably thought about that more at the um, at the outset of the season, thinking that nobody else wants this guy. Uh, I guess I was just yeah, blinded by the stupidity of this organization. But he's he was just bad. He Hassan Whiteside averaged eight points with six rebounds, 1.3 blocks, 56 and 52%. And I know, now I talked about Marvin Bagley, I know there are people out there who still defend Hassan Whiteside. Luke Walton's just a hater. It's terrible. Whiteside's still really good, Josh. You're going to see it. He's really good. The way that Luke Walton has treated him has been disgusting. What a terrible coach. Yes, but not because of this. He is a terrible coach. Whiteside is bad offensively. He's bad defensively. He blocks shots. That doesn't mean he's a good defender. And yeah, he this team didn't have a center. And they were playing Chemezi Metu ahead of him and Damian Jones ahead of him. Now, you might say that's a little unfair to Whiteside, and I might agree with you there. But he takes so much off the table. He has no future development in him. Fine, play the young blokes. You should. Whiteside's cooked. Mo Harkless was in Miami to begin the year. Barely played. Ends up in Sacramento, starts games, 37 games, 21 minutes in total he played for the year. 0.8 steals, 0.6 blocks. That's where, you, that's where your value is for Harkless. Can't shoot, can't play, mate, can't rebound, but he can get steals and blocks. He was a career worst in his EPM. His true shooting was bad at 52%. That's almost a career worst as well. He hit 27% of his threes. His rebounding was horrendously bad. That, that decreased a lot. Um, but he's a good steals and he's a good blocks player. And he was you know, starting and playing some decent minutes for this team down the stretch. But that was with Bagley out. And that was with Barnes out as well down the stretch. So where the hell is Harkless? Now, it, it is legitimately shocking to me that he is 28 years old. That is legitimately... He is younger than Buddy Heald, which is, again, legitimately stunning. Over the last 23 games of the year, he played 27 minutes a night. He averaged 1.2 steals and 0.7 blocks. There's enough value in that to have streaming ability, but... Just nothing else. No points, no threes, no rebounds, no assists, bad field goals, and okay free throws. And negative 3.5 EPM is a horrendous number. His Raptor wasn't much better. And offensively, he's just so lost at the moment that even though he does play good defense, you don't want him out there. I don't know what the answer is for the Kings at Power Ford. I feel good. Sorry. I know what the answer at Power Ford is. It's Harrison Barnes. But then I don't know what the answer at small forward is. Is it Buddy Heald? Then your defense is in real trouble. 
So Harkless will, if he stays around, which I don't know, he's unrestricted, so he, he may or may not. There is some sort of a role there because there's no up-and-coming small forward play. Now, maybe they get a guy at pick eight or pick nine or, or pick three or pick four, whatever it is. Imagine they get pick one and they pass on Cade Cunningham because they don't want the ball taken out of De'Aaron Fox or Torres Halliburton's hand. Imagine that uh, happens again. Um, so I, I'm, I'm not... But 28, I, can't, I cannot believe that he's 28. That is staggering to me. I just don't see how he becomes anything more than a streamer unless um, situations arise that work for him. Damian Jones played for a lot of teams, Phoenix, the Lakers, and then he ended up starting games for the Kings. He's almost 26 years of age, 39 games, 14 minutes, 68, and points, 68 from the field and 0.7 blocks. Some okay numbers there. He had stretches where if you wanted to stream in a big man, Jones could be that guy because he would block shots and get good field goal percentage. But, yeah, I think realistically, yeah, where, where does he fit? Now, I guess the worry I have here is that Rashawn Holmes walks and they just go, well, we've got Damian Jones. Would he be a guy that I'd want to draft for fantasy? Absolutely not. He might play 25 a night. He might block 1.4 shots, 1.5 shots. But... Look, he's just, he's not particularly good. Uh, advanced stuff was pretty low on him as well. Um, yeah, he, I, don't, I don't really know what he does apart from block shots. He's not a good defender, much like the Hassan Whiteside mold. And uh, can get, I think he gets overrated a little bit uh, across organizations. Chemezi Metu, I was impressed with him. Almost 14 minutes, 36 games played, averaged 13 fantasy points, still outside the top 300. Um, but when given an opportunity towards the end of the year, I thought he did okay. Played some power forward, played a little bit at center, um, had that wrist break earlier in the year. His advanced numbers are, are rough, like they're really rough. Like 56 is a true shooting number is bad for a big man. Negative 3.8 APM is horrendously bad. His LeBron is also horrible. His Raptor, negative 5.1 is the only player worse is Damian Jones. Um, he's not the greatest passer. He's a good shot blocker. But there was enough flashes there with Metu where I'd say, okay, well... If Bagley does get traded, I think you'd feel all right with Metu being at least your backup power forward. There's something there to sort of build on. Yeah, can yeah, 339th this season. Can he become a top 250 player? Yeah. Top 100? No. Top 150? Probably not. 175? I'd say that's probably where he tops out. And then the back end of this roster, well, I don't know what to say. Jemias Ramsey, he played seven minutes a game. I didn't particularly like him in the draft, and he did nothing to change my mind. Justin James had a few interesting moments. He played only nine minutes a game, though, across across his 36 games. He was outside the top 450 in both points leagues and category leagues. He had a few little moments where they had to put him into some larger roles, and at times, he did okay. But, you know, true shooting of 54 is pretty poor. It is an improvement on his rookie year. Um, he had these little runs at the end. He had a 31-point game. In 33 minutes on 71% shooting, but then the games prior to that, he had 13 points combined. There was enough flashes there for Justin James where I looked at it and go, well, again, as a rotation piece behind it, or if Terrence Davis goes behind him, there's maybe something there, like much more than, say, a Ramsey or a Robert Woodard or even a, a Kyle Guy. Now, Kyle Guy didn't do too much, eight minutes a game. Yeah, look, he's not really an NBA caliber player, and I don't really want to spend too much time talking about him. And same with Robert Woodard, who had injuries all year, but he was absolutely, he just didn't do anything to make me think, yeah, this guy's going to be good. Now, I think that, again, if I'm looking at Ramsey and Guy, I'd have Woodard ahead of them. 
but his numbers in limited minutes, of course, were pretty poor. And yeah, I think he can develop into something. I think that something is probably an 11th man best case scenario, but not someone I'm particularly interested in from a fantasy point of view. Let's now go to the questions that you guys have about this Kings team. Joe Buck says, in terms of addition by subtraction, who do you think the Kings would most benefit by moving, assuming we ignore Bagley? Yeah, I know. I agree that moving Bagley is the most addition by subtraction move that you could make. I I think he, I think it's probably Buddy Heald, just because you don't have that organizational debt that makes you think you have to play him this role and to appease his bitching in the uh, in the locker room. I think it's probably him. You don't move Fox. You don't move Halliburton. Barnes, just a really, really solid player. I think it's healed because of some of that negative stuff that goes uh, goes alongside with him. Nathan Kopok was not trading Barnes at the deadline a mistake. Yes, I think not trading Barnes, not trading Holmes, not trading Healed will all be a mistake. Holmes is going to be unrestricted. I think he walks. Barnes, I think you could have gotten something back, a first-round pick. You could have also lost some more games. And healed, I just think you need to get out of that contract. I, I think you needed to do an Orlando Magic and say, okay, we've got Fox, we've got Tyrese, let's see what else we can do here and get like a couple of top fivers coming up and build build the uh, assets up. Barnes at 29, healed at 28, they're not the future of this team. And I think they, I th- I think they did make a mistake not trading them. Inner med my dog Ulbron, I don't know what that means. I'm sure I mispronounced that. Um, should they build around Halliburton and trade Fox? Absolutely not. No. Fox is by far the better player, by far the better prospect. Under no circumstance do you do that. You play them together. Halliburton is not a lead point guard. You do not do that. That is uh, that is not true. How awesome will Darren Fox be next season? Top 20? There's a possibility, Ryan. And the reason, the way he gets there is free throw percentage. He just needs to improve. And the last one I wanted to throw out because it's funny. Corey Cavender says, remember Carl Landry? I absolutely do. Landry was one of those uh, undersized points, rebounds, double-double type beasts for fantasy back in his heyday. But that's it. My heyday is over for this podcast. Don't forget. Follow this show, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, and on Odyssey. And shout out to everyone who is still listening. I know the NBA regular season and the fantasy season is over. And plenty of you have dropped off. And if you have dropped off, you're not listening to this. So it doesn't matter. But those of you who have stuck with me, appreciate you a lot. And if you appreciate me, drop a thumbs up on the video, leave a comment, like, subscribe, share, notification bell, all those good things, guys. We are done here. Thank you so much for listening, everyone. See ya.